we going? Uh, this morning, we're in our Stay Regular series, and um, we are talking about two characters this morning. Hopefully, we'll see if we get to both of them, uh, Simeon and Anna. So let me set up what's happening here. So Jesus has been born, and he was born in, you know, this stable. It just, to kind of give some context, just so anyone knows, we know that it was actually a rock in the side of a mountain, and that there was a, you know, a cement trough that the baby Jesus laid in, and not a wooden one. We know all of those things. Please don't send me emails about it. We are also aware that Jesus was not born actually on Christmas Day. We know that too. We don't need emails to tell us that. Um, just letting you all know. We just celebrate it this time of year. We know it's just a birthday party. It's all okay. Um, so here's what happened. Jesus was born. The wise men, we also know the wise men hasn't shown up yet because they don't come until he's about two years old. We also know that. Just making sure I'm going through all the checklists of all the things we know. But Jesus had been born. So Mary and Joseph are still there. They're waiting to go back home. We know the story. They'd gone there because there's a census and they have their baby and now they're waiting before they can go back home. And there was this, um, there's uh, some of their practices. Some of them were health things. Some of them were laws. Some of them were just Jewish practices. And so Mary had to go into seclusion after she had a baby for purification before she could get, go out and be in public again. And so she had waited during her purification time and that time had ended and the next thing in the Jewish culture that they would do is they would bring their baby to the temple and they would dedicate it to the Lord. So this is what you would do. You would have a baby, you would go through your time of purification, and then you would bring your baby, the firstborn, to the Lord and you would do dedication. Very similar to what we do here. You know, we dedicate little ones to the Lord. We've had a couple of them this year. We'll, I'm sure, have more as time goes on. With all the weddings we had this year, I'm sure there's lots. But there was like this, right? This, they were just doing regular practice. They were, they were doing their regular religious routine. See, all religious routine is not bad. Tradition is not bad. There's a place for it. It's when it becomes the important thing, the only thing. Christmas is a great season to remember that, that all of the things that we do, the Christmas carols that we sing and the plays that we do and the reminding of who Jesus is and, and all these traditions that we have are not bad as long as they don't overtake the one that they're about. And so they're doing this regular process of bringing their baby to the Lord. Now, we know it's Jesus. And so we're like thinking, oh, the temple must have been packed out that day. I mean, Jesus is being dedicated. People would have been lining up. But let's remember, this is just some random baby. They're not in even the area where Mary, you know, became pregnant. They're in a completely different area. Majority of these people would have had no idea who this family was. They would have not known the story about Mary's miraculous conception. They would not have known about all the gossip and controversy about, well, was it really the Holy Spirit? Or are they just saying that because they don't want to get in trouble for sinning and having sex before they are married? Like, you know, like there's all this gossip going on, but that was back in their hometown. That's not where they were. They had traveled to the census. No one knew who they were. So there's just this couple, this young couple with their baby going to get dedicated in the temple. This is the story that we pick up. We've got a couple other characters in our story. There's Simeon, who would have been a, we'll learn a little bit about him. He would have been this, a religious man, and he was just doing his thing, going on his day. We've got Anna, who is known as this widow, who it says actually just lived day and night in the temple and just prayed all the time. She'd been a widow for um, it, probably around 80 years. She'd been a widow most of her life. She was only married for about eight. She was just a widow. She's just in the temple serving the Lord. These are all our characters this morning. Now, let's read from Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22. Okay? And God at Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22. Here's what it says. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up from Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb a sacrifice, uh, shall be called holy to the Lord. 
and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So this is just talking about here's what they're supposed to do. There's purification. Now they're bringing the baby who's the firstborn to the temple to be dedicated with their sacrifice. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. This is really interesting to see. We think of the Holy Spirit being upon people as very a normal practice in our day-to-day church life, right? But it was not normal in this context. Why? Because Jesus had not died on the cross, and the Holy Spirit had not been left as the helper yet. So when the Holy Spirit was on someone before Christ died and and rose again and the Holy Spirit was left to us, when you see in the Bible and you see this thing, the Holy Spirit was upon someone, it means that God made a choice to put his spirit on that person for a specific purpose and a specific call. So here is this man that the Holy Spirit was on. Verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, hang on, we're going to go into what he said. Let's just think about this. So there's this young couple who are being dedicated, and there's this like formal you know, process happening. And there's this guy who comes in and just takes their baby and starts to proclaim something. What does that tell us about Simeon? Because I think it's actually, we, we read it and we think, oh, okay, he just went and got the baby. Well, no, it actually tells us some things about Simeon. One, um, he was either the crazy person, which we've had a few, trust me. Uh, we actually had one that came in and stood up in the service and proclaimed that I was James's Gomer. Anyone who knows the story of Hosea, that means that Gomer was his wife who turned to prostitution. So, um, yeah, true story. True story, guys. Uh, you know, like sometimes there are those people who come in and they just proclaim things and you're like, yeah, that's, that's not from God. Um, sorry you think it is, but it's not. Anyways, so either he's that guy, which I don't think he is, because it clearly says the Holy Spirit's upon him, or what else does this tell us about him? It actually tells us that he would have been known and respected in the temple. It actually tells us that this would have been a man that was probably known, was devout and righteous, who knew the scriptures. He was probably some kind of leader in the temple of the day, whether formally or informally, but they must have known who he is to allow him to step into their procedural things, their traditions, and just kind of take over. This is what he says. Lord, as he's holding the baby... Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So what does he say? He holds this baby up, this little tiny baby, and he says, because what do we say? That the Holy Spirit, what? The Holy Spirit... Um, had come upon him and said that he was going to see the Christ. What would that have meant? So there was prophecies over prophecy over prophecy. There's hundreds of prophecies that they would have known in Scripture. The whole Old Testament was written, and it was all these prophecies about this Messiah that was going to come, this Christ. What does that actually mean, Messiah Christ? It means someone was going to come that was going to rescue and save the Israelite people. Why? Because the Israelite people had been in and out of slavery for generations. They went in and out of slavery, in and out of under oppressive authority. So in this current context, they're under the Roman government. They are being um, manipulated. They are being oppressed. There's a lot of rules and regulations about what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do, how they're allowed to function and how they're not allowed to function. This is the context that they're under. So majority of the Israelite people, when they read those prophecies and said Messiah, what they were hearing is a military leader that was going to come and rescue them. That's what they were thinking. They're thinking there's going to be this military leader, there's going to be this, or governmental leader, someone with authority and power that's going to come and rescue us from our current circumstance. 
Simeon knows that he's going to see this Christ. And he sees this little baby, and he holds him up, and he says, you know what, Lord, you can take me now because I've seen the fulfillment of your promise. Just think about this. The perspective that Simeon must have had to be so listening to what God's saying and not what the world's saying that he knew this baby was this Messiah. I just think it's a beautiful picture because so often we've got it nailed down, don't we? We know exactly what God's plan is going to look like. We know exactly what salvation is going to look like. We know exactly how our culture should change and how our government should look. And we know exactly what God's going to do in all of these places. And if Simeon went with what the world thought at the time, he would have missed the promise that God was showing him. He would have missed it. It would have totally been out the window, but he didn't. He saw this baby and he just knew that God, this is your promise. The other beautiful thing about this is that, you know, he sees this baby and he didn't even have to see the end. He wasn't seeing Jesus on the cross and then seeing that this is salvation. He saw a baby and he said, I have seen salvation, take me now. Do you understand that? Like I was so impacted when I sat with this scripture and I realized, God, I have such little faith. You know, because like at the beginning of the promise, like there's a bit of excitement in me. But let's be honest, I'm not celebrating what God's done until it's done. Anyone else with me? You know, like so often we're waiting for the promise to come true at the end. We want to see the end before we start to celebrate what God's actually doing. Here's Simeon. He's got this baby and he says, hey, I've seen it. The Messiah, the salvation, take me now. It's a baby. Guys, there's a baby living in my house. Actually, she's right over there bobbing up and down. Um, I promise you, they're not doing anything but needing everything from you. Like, they're not saving anything. They're not saving your sleep. They're not saving your time. Like, they're, they're not saving anything. They're just, like, sucking everything from you. <laughs> like, we love them, right? And they're cute. And they're, like, this amazing gift from the Lord. We know that. But really, like, they're just kind of life suckers for a while. That's what they do. Okay, anyone who has ever had a baby knows that I'm not lying about this and knows that you can still deeply love them and think they're magical and still know this about babies, right? But Simeon, like, he looks at this little baby that really is not contributing anything to the world yet and just sees salvation. I just think what deep faith he must have to see that. Let's continue on reading. Verse 33, it says this, And his father and his mother, so Mary and Joseph, marveled as what was said about him. I mean, what confirmation? I don't know. I just think about Mary, poor Mary, who like has the Holy Spirit who comes and says, Hey, guess what? I'm going to make you pregnant and no one's going to believe you of why. And you're going to have to carry this baby. And not only that, you're going to have to like raise it and it's going to save the world. Like that's a pretty overwhelming call in her life. I would be pretty overwhelmed. And this is probably like one of the first times where publicly someone else is declaring the same promise that she had heard from the Lord. Someone is saying, hey, you're not crazy. This is actually what God has said about your child. There's this like marveling of, okay, we've heard right. I mean, it'd be hard not to when an actual angel appears to you and tells you something, but still, there's like that confirmation of call on their lives. 34, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, the chi- this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. 
Let's just stop and see. So they go from this moment of, oh my goodness, like someone else notices my baby is gonna save the world. This is gonna be great. And this sigh of relief. And then in the next breath, Simeon says, but wait, it's gonna be heartbreaking. Just so you know, this is God's call on your life. This is what he's asking you to do. But it's actually gonna be quite sad at moments. There's a sword that's gonna pierce through your own soul also. Not just his, but yours as a mom. You're gonna raise this baby and you're gonna do it right. And I just want you to know that yes, you're following God's purpose and God's call, but guess what? It's gonna be heartbreaking. I think it's kind of important for us to see the context of the Christmas story, the context of what we read in scripture because we make it seem really pretty with a nice bow all the time, and sometimes it's not. And sometimes we think that if it's, if it's not easy, and I don't feel the joy, I have to choose the joy, then somehow I may not be in God's plan, and that's just not the case all the time, is it? You know, I stepped into the current season that I am in, and... Uh, and the first bit, I was like, oh my goodness, like, this is insane. Um, no, it's been good. It's been, it's been great. But I stepped into this. But one of a good friend of mine uh, was sitting with me, who I value so deeply, and just praying, praying with me and asked me, like, like, you know, gave me permission and said, you know, it's okay for it to be hard sometimes, right? And you still, to know you've been obedient to the Lord. It was like a beautiful thing for someone in my life to give me permission to say, it's okay. Like, it's okay for this actually to be hard and be okay and still know that you followed what God has asked you to do. That's okay. And I think that uh, Mary and Joseph, with this overwhelming call on their lives, gets this one from Simeon, this confirmation of the promise that the Lord had on what he was asking them to do. And the second thing is that, just so you know, it's gonna be hard, and that's okay, because it has purpose. Because it has purpose, you're doing the purpose of the Lord. Let's continue, verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of something. What is that word, James? Thank you, Faneuil. Hey, side note, they had me read, like, uh, uh, awards for the sculpture walk last night, and um, I had to read people's names. I don't think they'll ever get me to do it again. It's okay, Mario. I know. It's apparently, maybe that's why they called me Mario this morning, is because, you know, like, uh, anyways, um, yeah, it's, it's great. Um, I could tell, no, I'm not going to tell you a story. It's fine. Okay. Of the tribe of Asher... Let me explain what the tribe of Asher is, just so you know. So here's Anna. She's a prophetess. Uh, We're going to learn a bit more about her. Tribe of Asher is actually one of the lost tribes. It's one of the forgotten ones. So basically, she is a part of a tribe that has been forgotten. And it says she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. So she's married for seven years. And seven years, uh, and then as a widow until she was 84 She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So here's our other character, Anna, and she's this widow. So maybe not a widow for quite 80 years because she was 84 and she's married for eight. And so probably, you know, in that culture, 60 years, between 50 and 60 years, she'd been a widow. Being a widow was not a great place to be in this time. It meant you had no one to take care of you. It wasn't this like culture of like, go women, you can be independent and live your own life. That wasn't really their culture. It was if you were a widow and you had no children, had no husband, there was no one to take care of you. And so she lived in the, uh, she lived in the temple. She was there day and night. She just was there serving the Lord. I would imagine that she was probably a little worn out, probably a little discouraged. 
But then she also sees this baby, and what does she say? It says she's a prophetess, which means that she heard from the Lord. And she says this, she says, she began to give thanks to God and speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So both of these characters see a baby and see redemption. Our series is called Stay Regular. James talked uh, a lot about um, this idea of God uses our mess and he just kind of picks us up in our mess and these, you know, no matter what you've been through and what you've gone through and he's just going to use it and, and he want you know, just, it, it, you don't have to pretend something that you're not. And I think that that is absolutely true. But I think as churches, we do one of two things, right? We glorify the testimonies that are insane and people have come from crazy things. Or we put people in a box and say, unless you look this perfect, you can't do anything. Instead of understanding that staying regular means that God will use you whoever you are, whatever your story is. And I think that there's these beautiful pieces in here about Simeon is actually a devout and righteous man. That's what it says he is. He was not someone in need of redemption. He really wasn't. He probably had some good standing in the temple. No one was looking down on him. He was just doing his thing. And it says he was devout and righteous. What do those words mean? Righteous means correct or innocent. Means that he was doing all of the checklist of all the things that needed to be done in that day in order to what they thought would be appease God, right? They had all these rules. He was doing them. He was devout. The word there actually says to take hold of what is good. It focuses on the outward response someone gives to what they feel is truly worthwhile. Means he was holding on to what is good. His life on the outside was reflecting what he believed was worthwhile on the inside. In our culture, he, in our church culture, he would be that faithful Christian. You know the one that you look at that is just steadfast? That no matter what scripture you say, they can just quote it like that. But not only quote it, they live it. That's who Simeon was. He was a steadfast man. God uses Everyone, this idea of stay regular is that stay true to who you are. If you are steadfast and faithful, God can still use you. I know it seems like a weird thing to say, but I think sometimes we forget that, don't we? I've actually had conversations with, um, I think it was actually one of the girls, <clears throat> Paige or Tally, I can't remember which one about like, I don't have a testimony. You know, I've never really done anything wrong. It's not like God has like rescued me from something and, and all of this thing. And I, and I just, that came to mind as I was looking at Simeon's life about this idea of having a boring life is not a bad thing, spiritually I mean. You know, this idea of there wasn't some big mistake that God had to rescue me from, that there wasn't some big hiccup that all of a sudden, that God is still miraculous. He's still present in that. That that's actually his grace over your life to protect you from all of the things. And I think sometimes we need to understand that stay regular means like, who has God made you to be? There's this other thing, you know, about, um, and to be honest, I really wrestled with it. You say, Maria, what did you wrestle with? Don't worry, I'm gonna tell you. When I got my degree this year, in April, I've been working at my degree, my theology degree, for a really long time, and uh, I just knew God had asked me to do it, and so I just continued to do it and work on it. But you know, James and I so often in our ministry, you know what our like tagline is? We're just doing something that only God has qualified us for, we're not qualified for. 
that, you know, God has, God has, we've been just partnered with him and he's done these crazy things and, and we've had this like crazy life journey of being pastors and, and you know what, we weren't, we weren't qualified. We weren't even prepared. Like we've got no schooling. We've got nothing behind our names and, and God still used us. And all of a sudden now I had schooling. And I had to really wrestle with this. I was like, does that, does that actually mean now, God, like what comes from my life is going to be less important in my pastoral realm? Like, like it seems like a weird thing to wrestle with, but I did, I wrestled with it. Why? Because I still believe that. Like I believe that God calls you to something and then prepares you for it. But I think, I think you know, God showed me that, that uh, Every person is different and their journey is different. And the goal isn't for it to look like one thing. The goal is to be obedient to the Lord. Simeon was a righteous and devout man. As I read that, I was like, let that be my reputation. Anyone else with me? You know, like, God, like, would you help me to be that person? If someone was going to describe who I am, Devout and righteous. Not so that I'm all that great, but so that they see him. And you see that heart in Simeon. Because here's the thing. Like Simeon obviously had a place of, of authority and, and in the temple. And majority of people who had that also had a good chip on their shoulder. We see that all the way through scripture, hey? They also thought they were right all the time. They also thought they had it. They were actually the ones who ended up killing Jesus. The ones who would have known all the things, who would have had the reputation of being devout and righteous, so that's not the only thing. But Simeon was devout and righteous and willing to listen to the Holy Spirit. Being devout and being righteous but listening to the Holy Spirit. Here's Simeon doing his regular things, walking down the street, and God interrupts him and says, guess what? Go to the temple because the one you've been waiting for is there. Is anyone willing to let God interrupt your day? You know, I put my hand up, but I'm really not sometimes. Like, I really don't like it. Uh, I, you know, I've said it before. Most people who know me would know that. Like, you know, I like to have a plan and a schedule and stick to that plan and that schedule. And uh, I, I think God really likes to just um, teach me that I'm not all that great. Because he just steps in and he just, like, throws it all out the window. And nothing ever goes as planned. Ever. In our world. And it's not just because I'm married to James. Yeah. Like, although I actually say, and I think I've also said this before, I actually think that it is God's tremendous grace on my life that I have the husband that I have. Because I, if I did not, I would be so rigid that life would not be very much fun. Like, it has been great because he has taught me this, like, you know, to be just kind of Go with it. Go with where the Lord wants you to go. Um, most of you who know us know that if we're going anywhere, like we're traveling somewhere, we often, like if we have to actually be somewhere at a certain time, we have to budget at least a two extra hours. Because I don't know what's going to happen when we stop to get for gas. You know? A five-minute coffee break in a town that we don't even live in could turn into two hours. Because God sometimes just interrupts your day. He says, well, you know, I thought you were going here. Or you thought you were going here. But guess what? You're not. You know, so often things that we see as inconveniences or disruptions are actually God moments and we miss them. We miss them because we're too busy being annoyed that we were interrupted. We're too busy, so consumed with all the things that need to get done and finished that we miss the moments of why we're doing all the things. 
You know, Simeon is devout and righteous, but he also has this amazing, humble heart that's willing to just listen to the Lord and let his day be interrupted. You know, next time something throws your plan off, maybe take a second and actually say, okay, God, what are you doing in this moment? Give me eyes to see what I'm not seeing right now. And then we have Anna. She's this widow. I would imagine that she is probably fatigued and tired and worn out. She's from a lost tribe. I think there's something actually in that. When he tells us what tribe she's from, I think it's showing us this is this woman that has just been forgotten. And she's just in the temple, listening to the Lord, saying, God, you know what? Whatever you want from me, I'm here. But what do we also see with Anna? We see that she is a faithful servant. She is ready She's ready to serve the Lord. She's just got a heart posture that says she's praying and fasting every day. She's just waiting. She's just waiting on God, waiting on his promises. You know what I think is beautiful about Anna? Is that she had every reason to become the cranky old woman in the church. You know, the one who wants to complain about everything wants to sit back, wants to live every day for the rest of their lives saying, why me? God, why did you forget me? Why did all of this happen to me? Why am I, why, why, why? And she didn't. She made a choice to be faithful in prayer and fasting. She devoted her life to the Lord in the midst of her pain. Because of that, she was in the right place at the right time and got to hear from the Lord that, oh, this is the baby. You know what's beautiful about Anna is she was the same as Simeon as she started to celebrate the promise before the ending. Can we be a church that starts celebrating God's promises before we actually see the ending? Can we be the ones that declare victory before we see victory? I think sometimes we, all we see is the battle, right? All we see is the journey. All we see how, is how hard it's going to be. Like Mary, you know, seeing, oh my goodness, this is going to be really, really hard. And when we know that journey, we know that that's going to take a long time. And we know that that's going to be hard. We actually dread going through it instead of celebrating it. Instead of celebrating it. Why? Because we take scriptures like, you know, your, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And we think we know what that means. You know what that scripture actually means? If you've been here a while, you've probably heard me preach on it before because it's one of my favorite scriptures. You know what it means? It means that your yoke has purpose. It means that God's going to take all of the mess and he's going to give it purpose, which then gives it joy, right? Going back to probably because it's on the forefront of my mind because there's a baby living in my house, but you know, having a baby really sucks during having the baby. But why do you go through it and you survive all the pain of it? Because you know the purpose at the end, the joy that comes is worth it. And sometimes we forget that perspective on life, don't we? We just dread the journey. We're like, are we still doing this? You know, if I'm honest, here's my confession time. This has been me a lot in the last few months with uh, this project of Paige's house. So as you know, Paige bought a house, we bought a house together and it was supposed to be done in the summertime and we're still going. like the never-ending project. Uh, See, I'm complaining again. Uh, (laughs) But there's this journey, and like, you know, you would think I would know by now, 
Like, this is not the first time in our lives that we have taken on projects and it has not gone as planned. Every single time, that's what happens. So you think I know by now. And so, you know, there's this point of like, hey, God, you have a purpose and a plan in it, and would I just be present in the midst of it? But no, I've just been complaining. Just been complaining. Poor James. He's actually been great. He's been, like, really gracious. But um, just been complaining. I'm like, why is it not done yet? Like, I was, this needed to be done. I don't have time for this anymore. This needed to be done. And, you know, but it's this taking a step back and saying, wait a second. Like, you're always teaching me something, Lord, in the journey. And we get so busy lamenting the journey that we forget to learn anything. So guess what? You still have to go through the journey and it's still going to suck, but you're not learning anything, so then what's the point? You're probably going to have to do the same journey over again. (laughs) Because guess what? God's like, well, you didn't learn the first time, so let's go through it again. (laughs) You know, like, God, would I have a heart that's being a quick learner? Like, right? Anyone else with me? Can God give me a heart that's being a quick learner? (laughs) Because there's this beauty in the journey. I love that Anna and Simeon both... We're just celebrating the victory in this little tiny baby. I just think this is the most beautiful picture. They didn't see anything that they were celebrating. It was a baby. A baby that they probably wouldn't even see for the rest of their lives. And Simeon was okay with that. He said, take me now, Lord. You can just kill me and take me off because I have seen the fulfillment of your promise. You know, the other beautiful thing about that is Simeon realized his promise had nothing to do with him. Anna, same thing. She's just proclaiming the Lord. They're not getting anything out of this. No acclamation. Let's be honest. Most people in that temple probably thought they were crazy. They're like, okay. They have now gone overboard. They've read too much on YouTube. You know, they've gone down a rabbit hole of the crazy land. We all know those people, right? But really, that's probably what they would have thought. There's these people holding this baby saying, look at the Messiah, the salvation of the world. And they're celebrating They're getting nothing out of this equation. How often do we want God's purpose so that we can be seen and not so he can be seen? How often are we striving after what God is asking of us really because we want to know that we are important? What a challenge to say no. And it's actually literally all about Jesus, right, in this story. But it's a great metaphor for our lives. Is our purpose, is our call, is what we're asking the Lord for. We're saying, God, show me. Show me what you want from me. I'll be obedient. Lord, send me. You know the old like bracelets and t-shirts? Send me, Lord, send me. Who's going to go? I'll go. Okay, you get to go do that, and no one's going to see you, and no one's going to know that you're doing it. But guess what? It's going to glorify me. Well, maybe not that. That's not really what I meant when I said send me. I would like to have a bed that is of this quality. I would like to make sure that the crowd that's actually going to see me doing it is at least about 15 people. I mean, it would be nice if it was about 1,000, but I could go with 15. I need at least this many phone calls to tell me that I did a good job. When we say, like, Lord, send me, I want your purpose, I want to know what you want for my life, do we really? Do we really? Because that's a challenging statement, and it's one that we're called to make. Don't get me wrong. Because here's the thing about staying regular. And Pastor James, that's weird to call you Pastor James, I don't think I've ever done that before. Um, (laughs) James, 
love of my life. Actually, in my phone and every time now I'm in the city meetings and it comes up, like if he's calling, and people will see it and they all start laughing because he's changed it to hottest guy I know. Um, <laughs> it's actually, it's in my phone. And I would like to say I haven't changed it because I agree with him. Um, so James, right? James, James says it often. He says, he said, God will meet you where you're at, but he doesn't leave you there. God will meet you where you're at, but he doesn't leave you there. We're all saying, send me, God, send me. And we do a few things. We say, okay, God, but I want to make sure that it has something to do with me. Like, I'm going to get some kind of payoff from this. We also don't want to change, do we? We're like, I want your purpose. I want your plan. But I don't want to have to change anything about my life to get there. So if we could just figure out how that purpose and plan can fit into all the things I want to still be a part of my life, that would be great, God. But here's the thing about Anna and about Simeon and about every other character you're going to see through the Bible, that yes, God calls them and often they're messes when he calls them, but guess what? He calls them to something better. Simeon and Anna were prepared to hear from the Lord. Right? They were in places and in times. They had structures. They had life that actually prepared them to hear from the Holy Spirit. Pastor Kristen talked about it. See, that's not weird. But probably because you're not my husband. Um, <laughs> Pastor Kristen talked about it a few weeks ago when she was talking about this idea of regular purpose. And I can't remember what she called it, but the extraordinary purpose, something like that. You know, the big purposes that, what'd you call it? Do you remember? Irregular. Irregular. Okay, there you go. Oh, that should have been easier than it was. Um, you know, these two different types of purpose, and we all want this big, great purpose. But regular purpose, this idea of the faithfulness that Simeon had and Anna had of this life that's devoted to knowing what God says, that's devoted to fasting and prayer, and this rhythm of just being willing to listen, willing to say, okay, God, what is limiting my connection to you? That's what actually prepares you to hear from the Lord. You know what else it does? Is it gives you a heart that's ready to be obedient. Because if God told most of us about what his plan and his purpose is for our lives right now, and we tried to do it, it would become about us and not about him. But the rhythm that Simeon and Anna had of this prayer and fasting, this devoutness, this righteousness, this, this ability to say, okay, God, what is limiting me from hearing you? Because guess what? Sin is a real thing. That yes, God saves you and you do nothing for that salvation, but if you want closeness with God, it's gonna take some work. We don't like to hear that, do we? We like to hear that God's grace and his mercy saves us and gives us heaven, and you're right, it does. You do nothing for salvation but accept it. But you want closeness to God? You want to actually hear his voice? You want to be able to faithfully walk out his purpose? That's going to take some change. It just is. Not because you're trying to earn his love or you're trying to earn, but it's just naturally you need to get to know him. You're going to have to learn to hear his voice. See, Simeon and Anna were prepared to hear from the Lord. They were prepared to hear. I had a good friend uh, back, we were in our, like, I think, late 20s. I was married and had two kids, and I don't know, probably 10 teenagers living with us at that time. I don't know how many. And we were having tea, and she was still single, and she was just so, uh, we grew up together in church together, and she was just so lamenting, so sad. She's like, Maria, I just want to meet a guy that loves Jesus, and I want to get married, and I want to have a life, and, and, and I just, I, you found yours, and why can't I find mine? And she's just like lamenting, and I let her lament for a little while, and then I like, we had a very close relationship. Um, I graciously said, are you living, are you being the person that that person would want? She says, well, no, like, you know, like, I'm just wasting time until, like, they come along. Yeah, but you really think you're going to find them doing what you're doing? 
You know, because the guys she was dating were all from the clubs. Like, she's out clubbing every night of the week. And, you know, she's, she, her rhythm of life was, was a lot of partying and a lot of, and she was like, but I'm discouraged and I just, like, I'm just bored. And so I'm just trying to have some fun until, like, they show up. I'm like, yeah, but if you're not prepared and you're not actually ready, like, they're probably not going to show up. At the club. You know? Chances are if you're meeting them in the club, they're probably not a devout one who loves Jesus and is going to want to settle down. Just, you know, statistics would say. But we had this conversation and she was, she just didn't get it at first. And then we talked it through and she's like, you're probably, you're probably right. You know, there's this idea of preparation. It's great to say this is what we want in our lives, but are we creating a life that actually is going to sustain that? It's great to say, I want God's purpose, I want to hear his voice, I want to do what he wants me to do, but are we putting in rhythms and practices into our lives that allows him to, to actually speak to us? Are we allowing people into our lives that are going to speak his wisdom? Purpose. Our one purpose is the purpose of the story. It's to proclaim Jesus. Right? Amen? Our only purpose, only purpose is the purpose that's in this story, is to proclaim Jesus. Amen? I'm going to call the worship team up. There's a few things in this series, stay regular. You know what? Wherever God's placed you, sometimes he actually gives you the physical uh, preparation that you need for where he's calling you. Sometimes he throws you into something and he's like, you're not going to be prepared. Just go and do it. And he miraculously shows up. But sometimes he's saying, you know what? I'm going to teach you how to be prepared. I'm going to give you the skill set that you're going to need for the calling that I'm calling you to. Like Simeon, Simeon knew scripture. He knew the prophecies. He knew exactly what he was waiting for and what he was looking for. But he saw it through God's eyes and not human eyes. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I just wanted to make sure that when we talk about stay regular, that we know that that means whoever you are. God can step in and use you. And there's two keys that I want us to leave with today. Two keys to hearing and following through with God's promise and purpose in our lives. First one, we have to have a heart of humility that's willing to listen. We have to have a heart of humility that is willing to listen. Why? Because a heart of humility realizes it's not about us, it's about him. Amen? Humility allows us to hear him when he says, you know that thing that you don't really want to get out of your life? You know that thing that needs to change? Whether or not it's a bad habit or it's actually sin? You know that? You've got to do something with that. Humility allows us to hear that and not be threatened by it, but actually choose to do something about it. The second piece is this, is we need to have a willingness to listen to the Holy Spirit, allow him to interrupt our day, allow him to speak to us, allow him to guide and direct us. And sometimes we have this idea that it's going to be this voice from heaven that comes down and we're going to clearly know what that means. And sometimes it's just a gut feeling of, you know what, I, I think I need to stop for a minute. I think I need to pray. I think I need to look at the person that's at the gas pump beside him and give him a smile. And when they look a little sad, I need to ask him if they're okay. You know, being willing to listen to the Holy Spirit is actually this willingness to say, I'm going to slow my mind and my life down enough to be aware of what's happening around me. To see where can I bring God's joy and peace Where can I step in and be your hands and feet, Lord? Where can I hear from you? In this season, I encourage you to do that. Because for a lot of us, it's a season where we get to celebrate and we're busy and all the things because we have all the people and all the events. But there are also many that struggle this season. And let us not be so busy that we can't notice them.
that we don't have time to stop and ask them if they're okay. That we don't have time to uh, pull an extra chair around our Christmas table and give them somewhere to be. Because that's true purpose. Purpose always has a little bit of uncomfortableness to it, doesn't it? It's always got a bit of, I gotta go outside my comfort zone. I gotta let you show up, Lord. I'm gonna pray for you and we're gonna sing one more song, but I actually do want you just to take a minute before you leave today and say, God, where is the place in my life that I am not willing to have humility? It's actually a good question to have. What is the place that I'm not willing to have humility, not willing to let you step into? And here is my encouragement. I actually have things that come up on my phone most mornings um, that remind me of things I need to be reminded of. Here's my one for you. You can take it or leave it, okay, for the next couple weeks. Here's your reminder. Holy Spirit, you have permission to interrupt my day. It's my encouragement to you. Actually, I, I actually do encourage you to put it in your phone every morning at a certain time to remind yourself before you go into your day, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to interrupt my day. I give you permission. Because something happens when we give God permission, he says, okay, you just wait. Right? God is a gentleman. He's not someone who's going to kick down our door and force us to do what he, wants him to, what he wants us to do. And so when we choose to say, God, I give you permission. Holy Spirit, I give you permission. I'm excited to hear what those stories will be. Let me pray for you and then we're going to worship. God, I just thank you. I thank you that it's all about you and not about us. God, I pray that we would have reputations of being devout and righteous, those that are willing to hear your voice and listen to it. God, those that are, have hearts of humility, that know it's all about you and not about us. God, would you move us out of the way and put you front and center? And God, I pray that as we do that, that you would give us ears to hear you eyes to see what you are doing and give you space to do it. I thank you for the beautiful gift of that baby and all the implications of it. God, I pray that we would be a church that celebrates your victories as soon as we hear the promise, not when we see it fulfilled. In your precious name, amen.